it. Uh, my name is Casey. If I didn't get a chance to, to meet with you, I'm uh, one of the pastors serving alongside you here as, uh, uh, as we do this crazy thing called New City Church, man. It is, uh, it's a different uh, way of doing church in a lot of ways. It's uh, very unique. We try to be as uh, close to, and I know that Jesus didn't have air conditioning and that kind of thing, but we're going to take advantage of, uh, of those kind of things if we can. But, but ultimately, what we're looking for is to try to be the New Testament church as much as possible. Amen? And so... Uh, is it's strictly here. So we were reading these things um, in the scriptures, and we're reading scriptures about what it means to be the church and what it means to be followers of Jesus, all those kinds of things. Man, uh, we're going to be going through, starting today, the book of James. And so we're going to go through the next five weeks. There are five chapters in the book, book of James. We're going to tackle one chapter each week. And I'm going to tell you why we're going to do this. There's several things. That one of the things that I tell folks uh, when they're new or if they're coming and saying, man, I really want to kind of get back to the basics and know what I'm kind of how I'm supposed to walk and what I'm supposed to do and how I'm supposed to be. And do you have any good books to read? I always point to the book of James for the beginning stages. And not always, sometimes people, like a lot of times people that have been a Christian for a while kind of lose their way in tradition and they kind of get to the point of, oh, I got to do stuff the, the, the way of my denomination or the way uh, uh, that I've been taught or whatnot, and here comes James, and he kind of breaks a lot of things down for us, and it's really an interesting, interesting book, and so it is the first New Testament book written. A lot of people don't know that, and one of the things I love about that is that, uh, is that it's almost like when somebody says, I want to get back to the basics, I always say, well, what's the first New Testament book God wanted to, to put into, breathe into existence, right? What's the first thing that he wants Christians to know what's some of the basics of, of Christianity, but also some of the very hard, really deep truths of Scripture that are outlined in James too. It's not just a basic book for for beginners. It really is. It it shakes the foundation in many ways of our common ways of thinking, our common ways of doing church, and our common ways of being a Christian. And so I love the book of James in a whole lot of ways, man. And I love how he calls out. Um, like those things that are that are that are that are we're doing as a as a church group and as a church membership and as a body, both collectively and individually as a body of believers. He calls it out, you know, and, and he but he also gives a solution. So I love what James does in a lot of ways. He doesn't just um, go through and say, you're doing this wrong, you're doing this wrong, you're doing this wrong, you're doing this wrong. He actually highlights the standards of God and say, let's see if we can get there. Right. And I love that about him. I love what he says, hey, don't do not do just this, but also this. And it really is helpful for those who want to dive deeper, no matter where you are, to go into the scripture and the, the book of James and to find out a little bit more about what he, who he is. Now, who he is is interesting, or, or what, 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 what God said through James. Who James is, is the brother of Jesus who grew up with Jesus. And a lot of people don't know that. They think it's, uh, you know, uh, he's uh, one of his disciples or something like that. Or who is James? All like, like the guy that wrote the very first book of the, the earliest book of the New Testament was the guy that grew up with Jesus. Now, how many people had siblings growing up? Right? Okay, most of you, like a lot of you, right? How many people had that perfect sibling? Yeah, you know, growing up like yeah, like you can never get in trouble. Oh, nobody wants to raise their hand. Oh, there you go, there you go. Got a few people. If you didn't raise your hand, it was you. Okay, that's just the way it goes. But but <laughs> but here's like the the interesting thing about this is that there is nobody has ever been a more perfect sibling than Jesus. 
Can you imagine growing up with Jesus and, and being James and mom going, who got in the cookie jar? James like, not me, right? And Jesus says, not me. And, and Mama Mary says, well, I know it had to be James because Jesus never lies, right? <laughs> Thanks a lot, Jesus, Mr. Perfect. You know, it'd be stupid, you know, whatever, man, right? I imagine, like, these are the things that I want want people to understand, is that Jesus was a real guy. He's not just a religious figure. He's not just a guy that just, I mean, but this guy grew up with James, like, being his little brother. And little brothers do all kinds of crazy stuff, right? Like, I was, I, 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 I was a little more graphic in the first service. We only, you know, had a, had a handful of folks and everything like that, which is awesome. It was great. But not graphic as far as, you know, bad stuff or anything like that but little boys do graphic stuff to one another a lot of times right there are bodily gases that come out of boys that they will put into a bowl and put it up to their face i just found out this morning right that's the kind of stuff that happens right with little boys oh they're pointing yeah i'm calling you guys out twice i love this there are things there are times when boys say hey pull my finger and see what happens right there are times when boys will eat worms on a dare, right? Uh, am I right? Am I, who, who's with me? Who has boys in the house? Like, listen, those things are not sinful, okay? It's never outlined, thou shalt not eat worms in, in, in front of your brother as, on a dare. It's not like that. I imagine James and Jesus probably had contests like that growing up. Right, because they're boys, right? I mean, they're 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 dudes. They're and Jesus was a a guy that did that. Now, a lot of people look at me like I'm sacrilegious. I'm not sacrilegious. I'm just saying Jesus came in the form of a man. Dudes do what they do. Amen. Like anybody that's ever had a boy, and ever been around boys. Now, now girls growing up, they don't they don't understand this. They're like, I don't get why why you guys do those kind of gross things to each other and dare one another to do gross gross things. Uh, little boys will eat vomit-flavored jelly beans on a dare. That's, I mean, I, I can't imagine, right? I mean, they will jump stuff. They will break stuff. They will do all kinds of things, and none of it is a sin. So when Jesus grows up, man, I want you to introduce you. Like for a lot of us, especially those that have been in church for a long time, I want to introduce you to the real Jesus. I want you to understand this is a real guy who really lived. Right, he's God, absolutely, hundred percent, hundred percent man as well. I don't know how that happens; only God can make that happen. But ultimately, we've got to understand that the 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 Jesus that walked the earth grew up with a family, grew up with siblings. It says it very clearly in Scripture. This is what he did, and so I want us to be thinking like like uh, like as we're talking about the Scriptures. How am I supposed to be Christ-like? We get to introduce and walk with a real person who is Jesus Christ. Right? Yes, it's his Holy Spirit. Yes, all those kinds of things, I get it. But this is a person that actually lived and the kind of person that people that were nothing like God wanted to be with him. Amen? And so I love that about this. It's like it's not something that we've gotta we've gotta do a bunch of stuff. It's not like we gotta be a bunch of stuff. It's like we get to love Jesus and see what happens. And the scriptures are outlined through that. So but but for some of us we're we're fairly new. We actually had a baptism in the eight forty five service, right? Uh, welcome Trisha to the family. You'll see that on our Facebook. And uh, ultimately, like you know, why she came to to get baptized and she came to know to know the Lord this week is because of the Foster's Facebook posts 
that they post online about the church and about Jesus and about the things that are going on and the great stuff that's happening and all those kinds of things. And she called her mom and says, I think I need to get baptized. And she says, hey, I know this lady named Renee. She's always posting stuff about Jesus in her church. Call her, right? And that's how it happened. Like, it's an amazing thing. Scripture says to take advantage of every opportunity. And I'm just going to call out, let's take advantage of social media as well. Amen? Like, if you see something online that, that man, can encourage the people that are, are followers of you on social media, do it to it. Man, I recommend highly to share the Facebook live post from the weekend services and say, hey, man, because you never know that somebody that, wow, it's almost like a boomerang effect. Like, somebody that they didn't know connected somebody that they didn't know, and all of a sudden somebody gets baptized and saved and gets into the, to the family of believers. Amen? Crazy stuff like that that we can do. Take advantage of every opportunity. When we go into the scriptures, here's what I want you to, to be thinking about. And, and, I, and I say these things, <coughs> excuse me, not because uh, they're, they're, not because they're, they're uh, not obvious because they are, but, but they're very rarely practiced when we start approaching scripture, especially some of the, some of the things about what a, what a Christian is supposed to do. And so James being the oldest of the New Testament letters, always think of that as what God wanted to say first. But when we read Scripture, we want to understand several things. And some of those things are, first and foremost, God wrote it. Now, now I know, I know there were guys that penned the, the letters and things like that, but Scripture itself says all Scripture is God-breathed. Therefore, God guided that stuff. Like, we've got to be thinking about it. So whenever we read what God says in His Word, we've got to understand God is ultimately the author of Scriptures. You with me on that so far, church? If you struggle with that, help. Like you can talk to me. You can say, hey, hey, man, I don't get that or whatever. But ultimately, this is what we as a church believe. And so when we look at Scripture, I don't look at it as something that James wrote. I, th- I look at it as something God wrote through James. Does that make sense? So we want to understand that. Second thing is context determines meaning. Like when you read Scripture, you got to think context determines meaning. One of the most dangerous things that we can do as a, a believer in the Lord and, and reading the Scripture is taking a single verse out of context and, and, and thinking we understand what it means because it can mean something totally different. People have twisted Scripture using one, one particular verse and made it, say, made it say what they wanted it to say because they're not putting it in context. You guys with me on that? Everybody up here? Everybody listen? Everybody hear me? So understand that, like you got to understand that context determines the meaning of the scriptures. And it is very, very critical that we look at that from that point. That's why I tell people I don't have a life verse. If I did, it'd probably be Isaiah 66 too, because it just blew me up one day. But ultimately, I don't have a life verse. I look at the whole scripture as God's word. I'm just going to go by that, right? Like, it's important for us to do because, you man, you can take it, twist it, say what you want it to say, that kind of thing. And, man, I tell you what, people have been led astray by the Scriptures because of one verse that they didn't understand, that they put out of context, and they applied it to their life, and they just went that way. Man, it didn't mean anything like it. I mean, there's a lot of examples that I could go over and over and over with you, but a lot of times people will say Romans 12, too, right? Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, right? But... Romans 12, 1 says to be unified as a single sacrifice. Your, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Talking about unity of the body, right? And so ultimately it means something different when you look at it in context. Does that make sense? 
Like ultimately, we've got to be careful not to look at things out of context and say, oh, this, I'm not saying don't have a life first. I'm just saying be very careful and make sure you understand what your life first means so that when you can, you have the opportunity to explain it to others, you can do it with, with validity and, and correctness. Um, the, the, uh, another thing we need to look at when we start looking at Scripture, and this sounds really weird, but the need to interpret is rare. Because of that context that determines meaning and because of what it, what it means in that, like the rest of the scriptures, I say this all the time, every verse in scripture is in context of all the other verses, right? And so when we look at the scriptures, we got to say, like, like the need to interpret is rare. Sometimes it needs to happen, absolutely. But if we're looking at the scriptures as not just what does God want me to know, but what does God want me to learn and do, and what kind of heart do I have to have, the interpretation isn't ever, like, like rarely, ultimately. I'll give you an example. We are at uh, Loma Vista campus on Thursday night doing the uh, uh, Exploring Discipleship class, you know, and it was, it was just, a, this is a great class. We're going to do it again here. But it's a great class. But one of the things we said in John 14 and 15 is Jesus said over and over, if you love me, you'll obey me, right? And so, like, like that's pretty obvious, and we, we get all that. But one of the things he also said is that if you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. And so I asked the, I asked the folks, I said, now, 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 ultimately, does it matter what the fruit looks like? And before anybody goes crazy, ultimately, it's not necessarily because like the because what God wants us to do is abide in him right what Jesus wants us to do is remain in him he said you will bear much fruit so ultimately trying to find out what the fruit is and manufacturing it is not really what Jesus is wanting us to do he's wanting us to remain and abide in him does that make sense so when you look at scripture like that you say okay what is it that God wants me to do um and the inter- the ability like like uh, the, the need to interpret is rare what does God actually say what does he want me to do and then the final question is, well, one of the final questions is, am I willing to do what God says? Because you can find out what God says, you can understand what he wants me to do, but am I in my heart really willing to do what Jesus says for me to do? And so when we look at the scriptures like that, and as we talk about James 1 like that, I want you to be thinking about, about those kinds of things. What does he want me to do? What is he actually saying? And, uh, and kind of getting ourselves a little bit out of, out of his way. Um, we want to also uh, ask for God's, for, ask God for His power to do what He says for us to do. Because if we try to do it in our own strength, we'll start manufacturing fruit, whatever it looks like, whatever we think it is, and out of context and that kind of thing. We'll start doing all those kind of things rather than abiding in Him. But ultimately, give us the power from God to do what He wants us to do. Does that make sense? Like if we start doing it in our own flesh, in our own strength, guys, we will fail. Amen. Because God has, God has all the power. We ain't, got, we ain't got squat. Like, he's got it all. So for us, we've got to remain in him, be in him, have his power in us and through us. He's in us. We're in him. And then ultimately, doing what God says is about relationship and not rules. Relationship, not rules. Like, it's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of a love for, for God. It's not a matter of, okay, I'm a Christian. Now i got to go do Christian stuff. Right, I got to go serve this, and I got to go do this, and I got to go do that. It never was. As a matter of fact, the very people that Jesus flipped out on were the people that were saying, "You have to do this, and you have to do this, and you have to do this." Right? The religious folks. And so for us, man, it's like it's never a matter of can't do this or got to do this. It's a matter of we get to rest in His 
power. We get to do what he says for us to do, and we get to ultimately be a part of his, his kingdom and, and bring his kingdom, like see his kingdom come. You with me so far, church? So before I wanted to share that with you, before I get into James 1 and really start talking through what James 1 looks like. How's the temperature in here? You guys warm or you guys good? Okay. Just want to make sure I see some people fanning stuff. So we need to turn it down. We will. It's kind of cooler outside. So it's kind of nice. And, uh, and we got Chiefs going on this afternoon too. Go, go Chiefs, right? James 1, starting in verse 1. <coughs> says, James, notice what he says. Notice he doesn't name drop, right? Notice he doesn't say, oh, yeah, man, hey, man, I'm the brother of Jesus, so y'all need to listen to me. I know things about him y'all never know, right? He doesn't say that. He says, James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this is interesting because James does not know Jesus as his Lord, as his Savior, until after the resurrection. And that's a powerful testimony of a resurrection, amen? Hey, think about that. This guy grew up with Jesus, knew something was weird about him because he never sinned, never did anything wrong. All that kind of stuff gets crucified. A bunch of people are following him, all that kind of stuff, but doesn't know Jesus as Lord until the resurrection. Wow, incredible. And he talks to the 12 tribes in the dispersion. And this dispersion was the, was the, the persecution that was going on for the folks that were in Jerusalem at the time. If you read Acts a lot of people think, man, we got to go back to the uh, to be the New Testament church in Acts because they all stayed together, they all ate together, they shared everything. And I'm not saying we can't learn from some of those things, but I question that because God broke all that up. He allowed the persecution to happen and spread his people all over the Roman Empire. And by the year 300, over half the Roman Empire called themselves followers of Jesus. Man, that's amazing. To me, but if they had stayed there, set, like stayed there in their own little community and shared everything and did everything together, I'm not saying that's important to do as a church. That's absolutely important. But ultimately, what they did was they got they got dispersed, and that's what he's calling them to the dis- twelve tribes in the dispersion. How cool is that? Greetings. Now here's where James gets weird. I mean, he does, right? Like it, like it makes zero sense for a lot of us, right? But he says, consider it a great joy, my brothers, when you experience various trials. What's he talking about? Like, I got I to gotta go, yay, I'm going through a hard time. Woohoo, right? Yeah. I mean, it's so weird because here's what he said. Here's the why. Keep reading, right? Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. We're going to need endurance. We're going to need toughness as we do this walk with Jesus. But, everybody say but. But endurance must do its complete work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Trials, troubles, struggles, tribulations, persecutions, all those things really help us to see and be be tough and do God's work because this is a battle and a war and it's also a fellowship and a celebration. And we got to have the energy and the endurance to do those kinds of things, but ultimately to be mature, not lacking anything. And this is struggle. Like it's a lifelong pursuit for us. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, this is awesome. He should ask God. Literally was having a conversation with a guy this morning who said, man, I'm having real trouble making a decision. I said, well, you know, we just kind of preached about (laughs) asking God for wisdom. And he goes, oh, yeah, that's right. You know, because it was like, oh, man, we sure did. So if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God 
who gives to all generously and without criticizing, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting. And this doubting is like a, a wishy-washy, I don't know, you know, that kind of thing. Like, I, you know, God, I guess, you know, if you can give me some wisdom, that'd be kind of cool, but I know you're probably too busy anyway. No, this is your Father in heaven who wants the best for you. If you say sincerely, God, give me wisdom and confidently and boldly and all those things, man, this is what he wants for us. He wants courageous children of his. You with me, church? Are we struggling up here? We doing all right? See some tough. We get on the, we get on the slides? Cool. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> he wants courageous children, folks that do not doubt because they are children of God. This busts up identity. This busts up all those different things that we wonder about who we are and all that kind of stuff. Guys, we are his children. If you are a girl, you're a princess. If you're a guy, you're a prince. Inheritors of a kingdom in him. Confident, boldly. God, it's not a matter of like, oh, man, I you know, just, just want to come up to God and go, I know you're too busy for me, man. But, and God's like, man, buck up. Look at me. You're my child. Ask for wisdom. Ain't it amazing? Like, now I'm not talking about boldly going to cocky. That's right, God. You got to come up to me because you got you to let me in your presence. No, it's not like that. But it's like this confidence approaching the, the throne of God with confidence. Some swag, man. Godly stuff. Not cockiness. Not, not this... Uh, uh, a, a spirit of superiority like yes that's right I'm a child of God so God must put me in his presence no man it's like hey God hey dad could you give me some wisdom right remarkable when we look at it the way God says for us to look at it man it'll totally revolutionize our walk we'll have a pep in our step that we didn't have before But let him ask in faith without doubting, for the doubter is like the surging sea driven and tossed by the wind. We want to be focused, laser-like focus on the heart of our Father. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. An indecisive or double-minding or doubting man is unstable in all his ways, and a woman like that is unstable in her ways as well. The brother of humble circumstances should not should boast in his exaltation. And we're not, now keep in mind, these things are a matter of the heart. Because I'm here to tell you now, everyone in, in this room is rich. If you live in this country and you got a car or two or three or four, and you got AC and heat and cable TV and a flat screen and all those different things, you're in the 1% of the world. In fact, you're in the top infinitesimal of the history of the world. Be careful when you start looking at other people like, oh, those people are rich or, oh, those people are poor. Guys, we're all rich in here. I'm just saying, right? I'm just saying. We've got to keep that real. So we've got to understand this is a matter of the heart. But the one who is rich, verse 10, should boast in his humiliation because he will pass away like a flower of the field. This is a matter of the heart, not a matter of material. If you're focused on idol worship and materialism, That's the problem. It's not what you got. It's what you sense about what you got. It's what you feel about what you got. It's what you think about what you got, right, rather than the things of God. You with me so far? 
For the sun rises with its scorching heat and dries up the grass, but its, its flowers fall off and its beautiful appearance is destroyed. In the same way, the rich man will wither away like, while pursuing his activities. All in the matter of the heart. A man who endures trials is blessed because when he passes the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised those who love him. I say this often, guys, we're all going to be dead in 100 years. We're going to go through stuff. Whether, like, here's the deal. I thought, I thought stuff was going to get easier for me when I came to know Jesus, man, because I keep praying and it keeps getting hard. Guys, it might get harder for you. It probably will. As a matter of fact, if you think that the enemy, Satan, the devil, is happy that you came to know Jesus, happy that you got baptized, happy that you're starting new churches, happy, like, he is not. He's going to try to pull you away all the time, right? Tim and Megan said this very same thing. As soon as they stepped into this, this whole thing called New City Church and wanted to start Loma Vista out there, it's like just the attacks just came up, right? Man, the frustrations and the stuff that, that, that he's just going to try to pull you up. I'm just telling you, man, like be ready. I tell people all the time, somebody comes to me, I'm ready to know Jesus. I'm like, you sure about that? <laughs> kind of try to talk him out of it, right? Like, don't do that. Evangelists go crazy when I say that, you know. I'm not really trying to talk him out of it. But I figure usually happens on Sunday morning. Sometimes it happens over, over the phone or over coffee or something like that. But a lot of times it happens on Sunday morning. And if somebody comes to me and they say, I want to know Jesus, and I can talk them out of knowing Jesus right then and there in front of a group of people that would love to see them come to know Jesus. And if I can talk them out of it right there, they got no chance on Monday morning when they get to work or school or whatever. When somebody says, hey, I came to know Jesus. Oh, you're a fruitcake. Oh, you're weird. Or you're this. They're done. Right? I, amen. You with me on that? Like, it's like a, we got a challenge. Like, this is not, this is something. Now, are there great and amazing Things like peace and joy and ability sometimes to sleep and all that. Yeah, man, it's, it's awesome and it's amazing. And we get to go to heaven and we're, we can't die. It's fantastic. It's wonderful. But to think that it's just going to be a life of just leisurely and luxury and all that kind of stuff. Man, it's nothing like that. I mean, there's some. There's some. I'm not saying we can't enjoy life or anything like that. But ultimately, we got to understand, man, we're going to go through things and it produces endurance. And this is what God likes. Tough warrior children of his, right? What, what's, what, what verse am I on? Okay, cool. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> no one undergoing a trial should say, I'm being tempted by God. Does this not answer a lot of questions for new believers? This is great. For God is not tempted by evil, and he himself doesn't tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed, listen, by his own evil desires. Then after, after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dearly loved brothers. Every generous act and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. With him there is no variation or shadow cast by turning. By his own choice, he gave us new birth by the message of truth, so that we would, be, we would be the first fruits of his creatures. You see the royalty being played out in here. The description of who we are in him, man. That ought to give us some swag. Listen to this. And this is some of the questions that, man, get answered about how we're supposed to be. My dearly loved brothers, understand this. Everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, 
and slow to anger. What does that mean? Let me break it down for you. Like I said, the, the interpretation is rare. So here's what it says. You know, you got these two pieces of cartilage on the side of your noggin, right? Everybody, everybody acknowledge that, right? We do. We're supposed to use those more than we use our hamburger hole. Okay? Right? And we're not supposed to get angry when, when somebody is speaking, or we're not supposed to get angry quickly because somebody's doing something we don't like. We're supposed to be very patient, supposed to be very kind, supposed to be very forgiving and graceful and all those kinds of things. That's how you get to know, like, that's how people come to know Jesus, because they'll look at you like, why were you not upset about all this? And you said, because I got God, man. I'm slow to anger. And, and, and ultimately, if we're more of a listener, guys, like if I'm talking, this is one of the things I I love preaching, don't get me wrong, don't get me wrong. But my favorite way to teach is in a classroom setting because I get to learn from people as I, learn, I teach them, they teach me. Does that make sense? Like I'm, I'm speaking a bunch here, I'm the only one that ain't learning. <laughs> yeah, right? Is that right? I mean, I am learning nothing by telling you what I know and what I've studied. But I want to be, like, I want to be one of those that, that is quick to listen, slower to speak. And I'm working on that. I'm not perfect at that. But this is where we have got to be. Be slow to speak, slow to, slow to anger, for a man's anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Therefore, ridding yourself of all, yourselves of all moral filth and evil, humbly receive the implanted word which is able to save you. But be, listen to this, we say this all the time. This is the first thing God said for his, his, his followers to do. But be doers of the word, not hearers only. Like it's, it, every time I say this, I get in trouble. So I'm going to get in trouble again. I do not hate Bible studies. What I cringe about is folks that want to study the Bible and not do what God says. Right? This is what he says. This is what the, like, like if you're literally studying what the Bible says and you're going down and it says, don't just be mere hearers of the word. Don't just be memorizers. Don't just be learning what it means. And don't just be studying it. Actually do what it says. That's like the basics of, 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 of Christianity, of, of discipleship, actually doing what God says to do. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man looking at his own face in a mirror, for he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But what, uh, people are like, what does that mean? I don't get it. Here's what it means. Dude's looking in the mirror. Man, right on, baby. Look at that. Look at that. Looking good, looking good, looking good, walking away, forgot what I look like. That's what it means. It's like going to the scripture, study, 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 study. I'm not doing what it says. That's exactly what it means. Don't just be mere hearers of the word, but doers. It's like somebody looking in the mirror then immediately forget what they look like. It's a waste of time. Don't even look in the mirror if you're not even going to remember, right? But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it is not a forgetful hearer, but one who does good works. The person will be blessed in all he does or she does. If anyone thinks he's religious without controlling his tongue, then his religion is useless and he deceives himself. Please don't mistake this. This is not about dropping the F-bomb or the D-bomb, or the S-bomb, or the W-bomb, or the Y-bomb, or the X-bomb. 
I've just sent you guys on a mental rabbit trail because you're trying to figure out. Bomb. What does that mean? <laughs> Why bomb? I'm trying to find that cuss word in the Bible, you know, in the scriptures. I know what? Understand something. It is not about your necessarily. Now, out of a pure heart, you're probably not going to be dropping the F-bomb all the time. I'm just saying. But it's not about cussing. This is about something that comes out of a, a heart that is either with God or not with God, right? Jesus said some very socially whew, radical stuff that some people could accuse him of having an impure heart because he had an impure uh, they say he had an impure tongue. I mean, things like, hey, take up your cross and follow me was one of the most egregious things you could ever say to someone in the first century. But Jesus said it publicly to his people. You could get sued for saying that to people. Do you know that? This is this is a remark. Like, we can do that. It is not a matter of what is socially acceptable. Please don't hear me. It's okay to go drop the F-bomb anytime you want to. No, man, we've got to be like examples to people, right? But ultimately, it's not about, hey, i got to watch my tongue and quit cussing. I think there are a lot of people that don't cuss that don't love God. And I think that might, there might be some people that when they hit their thumb with a hammer, something might pop out of their mouth that love Jesus too. Just saying we've got to be thinking through that, like looking at what it actually says. It is always a matter of the heart. Amen? Pure and undefiled religion before our God and Father is this to look after orphans and widows in their distress and keep oneself unstained by the world. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Guys, I pray this is helpful to us. Sometimes we just got to get back to some basics, right? We have series that we have like where we want to attract people into the church, no doubt about it. We have series, and that's kind of something like, you know, love your neighborhood, right? Love that. We have series that that we say, you know, we want to keep people and share people with how great a church can be and how great fellowship can be. And we also have need to have some times where we just teach, like just teach some of the basics so that we are walking along in, in, in wisdom and understanding of what God's Word says. Amen? One of the things that God's Word says, and we're going to take communion here in just a little bit, and I'm going to pray for the, the communion time. And, you know, Scripture talks about, you know, and Jesus himself said, take this, and as far as representing my body or that was broken for us, we have broken crackers, gluten-free, if anybody's wondering, just to make sure everybody knows. I don't know what's in gluten, but it's delicious. Um, I'm just telling you, these don't taste all that great, but, but they're not going to make you sick. And then the juice that represents the shed blood of Jesus. And... What scripture says, when we look at the scriptures, it says, do not do this in an unworthy manner. I had to confront some people at, at another campus recently that were doing some divisive things in their church. I had to confront some of the leadership and say, they can't even take communion. I mean, they have hurt people in the church. They've got to make that right first. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not the kind of guy usually that's, that's going to be in somebody's face like that. But when there's this kind of things, communion is something where where we've got to, man, make things right. And I remember probably 15 years ago or so, I was in a church service. The pastor said that very same thing, and I had to leave and go make it right. I had to drive like 45 minutes and go make it right. 
before I could take communion. And I came back, and I, like, seriously, here's the deal. If you need to do that, it's cool. Don't, there's no, like, oh, come, they're not taking communion, guys. This is between you and God. Collectively, yes, but also individually, your relationship. So I want us to examine ourselves and let God expose anything that might be in our hearts that he doesn't want, and then take that communion. For some of us, it might take five seconds. For some of us, it might take five years. It's all right. Deal with it. Let God do his thing. It doesn't have to take very long, but it might. Sometimes God's got to unravel stuff in our hearts, unravel stuff in our minds. Sometimes God has to unravel traditions that we put above him. Sometimes God has to unravel relationships that have been broken. Sometimes God has to unravel those things, and then we get to take communion together. Amen? Like, it's okay. It's all right. Don't feel the pressure of having to conform to, I don't want to look silly. I don't want you to be cast judgment on yourselves of what Scripture says. These are just basics, right? And we're just going to get back to some basics. So we, in freedom, though, and in community, and in loving relationships with one another, we're going to take communion together. So let me pray for that. Is that cool? Father, we love you. And we are completely amazed at what you've done. We thank you for the baptism this morning. We thank you for bringing Tricia into the family. Lord, we thank you for all the different ways that we can reach people. That, that man, we are really at an advantage in a lot of ways. That we could reach people with social media that, that a lot of people throughout history never could have. Lord, we can reach people quickly in a car or a plane that a lot of people in history couldn't have. And so, Lord, may we not take our evangelism, our discipleship, our mission that you've given us lightly or as a burden. May it be a privilege and an honor to do what you said for us to do to walk with you, to make disciples, to learn more about you, to gain more wisdom as you give it freely and openly. And may our hearts be worthy of that wisdom. So, Lord, may we be wise as we take our communion this morning. May we be wise in, in understanding what this really, really means, that it is ultimately communion with you, and it is communion with us together with you. And Lord, uh, man, if there's some things, God, that I or anybody in here need to reconcile with another person, to reconcile with a brother or sister, to make it right with something, someone, and we need to go do that, Lord, lay it on our hearts to do it. But Lord, if we have, if you have thoroughly examined and we've given you that time, to examine our hearts, may we take communion with you freely and openly and joyfully. It is in your son's amazing and incredible name we pray. Everybody in the house said.